Hey everybody, welcome back to the Nothing Owned Podcast. Before we get into the show, I have to mention our very generous sponsors. Um, as always, Season 2 is sponsored by Modus Nation. Uh, check them out at modusnation.com. Uh, they have awesome clothing. They're, ben and Lens are doing awesome work. Uh, good people, and more importantly, they are giving to charity. Uh, giving to local charities, giving to veterans uh, charities, and they're just supporting the community. They're supporting um, other veteran businesses, supporting other veteran entrepreneurs. So please uh, check them out, modusnation.com. Buy some clothes. You can always use a new T-shirt. You can always use a new sweatshirt. Buy some gifts. You know, Christmas will be here before you know it. So might as well get your Christmas shopping done early. Or just buy yourself some stuff because you deserve it. And you can use our coupon code, NOTHINGOWED, for a special discount on their website. So please check them out, modusnation.com. Sponsors of season two of the Nothing Owed podcast, and also too, I always like to mention uh, some of the other people that we that help us out with the show. Uh, one of our newer sponsors is going to be Grind Ops Coffee. Aaron Meza, uh, he's a federal law enforcement officer, canine handler. Um, probably going to be retired here pretty soon, but still grinding away, just like his coffee. Uh, that was a, an amazing pun, in case you guys are not paying attention, so I deserve some credit for that. But uh, in any case, Aaron's doing awesome. His coffee's awesome. He actually has taken the time to come up with specific roasts um, unique to him. He's not just buying coffee from a, a warehouse. He's not just buying coffee from a supplier and sticking it in his bag with a sticker on it. He's actually taken the time to design the roast, to design the flavor, uh, so you're getting a really unique coffee that is actually awesome. Um, I've been drinking it here recently and it's, it's probably some of the best coffee I've had. Very flavorful. Um, and it's, it's designed by him. He's actually coming up with the roasts. So grind ops coffee, check them out, buy some coffee. You can always use it, bring it to the office, bring it to your local fire department, bring it to your local police department, give them a, give them a little pick me up because everyone's kind of having a rough time nowadays. So support Aaron Meza, grind ops coffee, check them out. And last but not least, I always like to talk about uh, Winfield Watch. Uh, Mark has been a longtime uh, friend of the show and definitely helped us out quite a bit and has uh, also spent a lot of time helping veterans uh, with their businesses, helping other veterans kind of get off the ground. So Mark is an awesome dude, Navy veteran, and makes some awesome watches. Uh, Like I said, I'm a customer. I know I've I've said that before, but uh, it's true. Um, I was a customer of Mark's long before he was on the show, and we uh, built a relationship with him, you know, over the last year or so. And uh, good dude, deserves your support, and definitely uh, won't be disappointed with uh, the Winfield watch. So please uh, check him out. So uh, that being said, those are our sponsors for the show and for the season. And now let's get into it. I know you're going to enjoy this one, but uh, time to turn it over to myself. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Nothing Old Podcast. You're back again with Ben and Brian, and as usual, we have another awesome show with an awesome guest, and something a little out of the ordinary, we have a Marine on the show for once, which is something that we uh, almost never do, uh, so I know Ben is excited about that, uh, so we'll get his thoughts here in a second, but uh, <laughs> no, uh, it's a good show, uh, like I said, our guest is has a great story he's doing awesome things um <laughs> i'm laughing at ben i apologize i got distracted but uh our guest is chris D'Amico from the drunken butcher and we'll uh, let him tell his story here 
But uh, before we do, I want to say uh, turn it over to Ben so he can uh, complain about the Army again, and then, uh, <laughs> and then we'll turn it over. I'm, so, Ben, how you been? I'm just going to let it go. I'm not even – you know what? It's one of those things that I choose to let upset – you know, I, I choose to let it upset me, and now I'm not going to let it upset me. So <laughs> I'm just going to say that I love our Marines, our fellow comrade-in-arms, and I'm just going to leave it at that. I mean, it's just – I'm over it. Is, is basically where I'm at. So, but uh, yeah, Chris is awesome. I, I'm a, um, I am a, a customer of his already. Um, some of the, the, the stuff he has going for meats and I'm a big hunter. He, he's in that hunting butcher world and um, good dude. You know, he's a smart ass like the rest of us. So uh, good dude. He's running a small business. He's trying to grow his business. Um, you know, it's been fun to kind of watch his business grow uh, on social media. And, and then I we, we've been lucky enough actually to get up to his, he's got a storefront now. So um, all good things. And I'm sure he's going to have some, some good advice for our listeners to, you know, to like we talk about all the time, maybe take that step um, if you're trying to start a business or make a change. So it's a good one. This will be a doozy. Chris is a good dude. So let's get it. Very cool. So, well, Ben, uh, you know, everybody's got to have a hero to look up to. Oh. <laughs> so I just, just, want, I mean, just, just when I say I'm over it, that's what, <laughs> that's what you're going to start with. Okay. Now you got to come out of the gates hot. You got to come out hitting. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. He, he sensed a weakness. He seized upon it. <laughs> yep. I got it. I got it. Like a heat seeking missile. That's right. You know what? We're going to, I think we're going to have to have an episode one time and just have all the Marines back and all the army guys back, all four of them. And then all, all 37 Marine guests. And then, uh, and then we'll just have a smack talking contest and just see who can win. I, I'd probably be the loudest. I don't know. Murph, Murph was pretty loud, but yeah. yeah That'd be interesting. Know. Yeah. It only takes one Marine though. To what? For anything. Well, yeah. I would have to agree. (laughs) Don't, you know, I'm about to get very politically incorrect. And so we're going to let that, we're just going to let it go. Let's get on with the drunken butcher story. All right. All right. All right. So I'm Chris D'Amico. I started the drunken butcher back in, uh, oh, geez, what was it? 2000, 2017. Yeah. About 2000, 2018 or so. Um, just kind of an idea, sitting around the campfire, drinking beers. I've always processed uh, my whole life since I was about five years old. I've had a knife in my hand and uh, decided that maybe I needed to do something with it. My skills, um, I can, it, it's, it's a whirlwind how fast I can break down a deer and elk. Uh, <laughs> and I love doing it. It's kind of my escape from reality. So we decided, you know what, let's do it. Uh, my friend uh, at the time, he's, he's no longer with us. But uh, he's, he's, you know what, Chris, let's call you the drunken bearded butcher. And I was like, you know, that's a pretty doggone good name, you know, as I'm a half gallon deep in a bottle of Jack Daniels. Uh, <laughs> the next couple of days go by and we simmer it down to the drunken butcher and it just goes from there. Um, so we started out as an idea, not even an idea, just kind of a drunken thought. Uh, and I start processing. I start processing here in Cedar City. I uh, did wild game only uh, for about a year and a half, two years. And then started making my own seasonings because I was sick and tired of buying seasonings for customers 
uh, to put in their products. Cause if you're going to go out and hunt an animal and, and take its life and, and have the kind of respect that you're going to take a wild animal and put it in your freezer to nourish you and your family, you don't want to, you don't want to, cheapen it by putting commercial seasonings in it with a bunch of chemicals and preservatives. And it's, it's taken away from that natural meat that you've just taken and put on your table. It's a good point. Makes zero sense. It, it, it does. It's, it's like wiping before you poop. Right. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's totally, I mean, I, I mean, it's not the point of everybody that, that, you know, gets a, a deer or an elk, but I mean, it's the cleanest and best meat on the planet. It's the most exactly. healthy meat. It's the most healthy meat for you on the planet. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and to put, you know, yeah, to put some processed crap in it is that, I mean, I haven't even thought about it like that. That's, that's a great point, but. I don't want to eat it. I don't want my customers to eat it. Right. So I started making my own seasonings. We started out with one blend. Uh, it was house sausage seasoning and it goes for any, it's a very heavily Italian based seasoning. Um, you can make, uh, brats, uh, breakfast sausage, anything, anything that you would use an Italian sausage for the seasoning will do. So you can do it yourself or I can add it to the meat. Um, and before you know it, within, geez, by the next hunting season, so six, eight months down the road, I have people just asking for seasonings, not just for me to cut their animal up, but they want seasonings only. So I start thinking, you know, maybe I should really start bringing out my own line of seasonings. And uh, by the end of that processing year, that was, uh, geez, 2019 or so, we had four blends. Um, and I had just simple, I wanted to keep it simple, um, like a steak seasoning, you know, an all purpose seasoning house sausage. And then we did like a maple breakfast sausage. Hmm. Um, and then it just blew up from there. And I kind of just went wild in the kitchen, started R and D like crazy. I mean, we were making two, three, four blends a month and just for anything you could imagine. And now I've got 26 blends. Uh, awesome. And they do literally anything you can imagine from sweet to heat to from breakfast to dessert. And uh, I don't even process anymore. I put the knives down last year and I'd love to get back to it because like I said, it is kind of my escape. Oh, dang. Um, I was going to say, uh, I hunt up, <laughs> I hunt up at Kolob all the time. And so I was like, man, I, if I could just run down the mountain and drop my elk off with you. I'll yeah. still take care of you. All right. I can't, all right. I can't turn it away completely. I still, I still take care of my friend. All right. All right. But, uh, so we did that and put the knives down and, uh, the business, the seasoning things just started exploding. We got our permits, USDA, FDA, uh, local health permits and ran the business out of our house for about a year. And, uh, last August we had to stop, so we used to go to the farmer's market and sell. That's kind of where we were at locally, um, selling at the farmer's market. And in August, we got so busy with online orders selling nationwide. We've hit all 50 states by then uh, that we had to stop doing the farmer's market. And we were packing orders 24-7. Oh. Turns to December, we get our biggest month ever. And then we catch the Rona, of course, right? <laughs> so we have to shut down for two freaking weeks. Uh, we still turned around, made Christmas orders on time. And then come January, we're to the point where the business has exploded to the point where we can't even walk around our own home. And it's a third, almost 3000 square foot home. Oh, wow. So we start looking for a place, find this place about mid January that we're in right now. It's a 2,500 square foot, uh, warehouse that it was just completely bare bones, just a warehouse and a bathroom. And I go to work doing what I know best and just using my hands to work on everything and built this entire place from 
what it is or what it was to what it is now. Um, we have a 350 square foot kitchen, uh, state of the art mix room, if you will. Uh, I have a 500 square foot storefront and then we've got the rest for warehouse space in the back. But all this started with a dream. All, it didn't even, wasn't even a dream. Honestly, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, just a drunken idea around the campfire. And I tell you what, it wasn't the easiest thing in the world to do. I'm sure. So do you use, do you use all natural ingredients? And Yes. So we source most, all of our ingredients come from, well, mo I should say most of our ingredients come from Ohio. It's an organic bulk supplier. Okay. Um, we get like our maple stuff from uh, Michigan up there, you know, by the Canada border. Um, they make the best maple sugar. Uh, we get our hatch chili from Bernalillo, New Mexico. We, we try to source all of our stuff from smaller um, facilities, not big, huge, you know, McCormick size facilities. Right, we try right. we try to we try to help out the small guys, too, because um, we're just as small as they come. I mean, we don't we don't even have an employee yet. It's me and my wife. Do so we do everything. Everything's organic, kosher, vegan, uh, gluten free, soy free. Uh, literally there's nothing, no artificial ingredients, preservatives, fillers, anything you can't pronounce in them. That's uh, awesome. Are you, yeah. were you, are you, oh, go ahead, Brian. Sorry. And I was going to say, I mean, that, that's really interesting. I'm, I'm curious. Can you kind of talk about the process of developing a new flavor? Cause I think a lot of people don't realize how much work and effort goes into combining those flavors into something that's palatable. Can you just yeah, the process? absolutely. And I've made a bunch of batches. I can't tell you how many batches I've made and, and I've, I've wasted a lot of product. Um, cause I do all my R and D, uh, just kind of off my head, just, just off the cuff, so to speak. Um, if there's something that I want to have for dinner, I think about what I want to, what do I, what I want to taste like. And, and I'll go and, and also add my side dishes into the dinner and, and just kind of play off of what I'm having. So if I'm having elk, you think more of a Western, you know, Southwest style, style spice. Um, so I started adding, you know, uh, juniper berries. So, uh, one of my seasonings has juniper berries in it. Hmm. You wouldn't think that would be an ingredient that you would normally see in a, in a seasoning, but it adds like this pungent tart pine flavor to it that you just can't beat. That's interesting. How did you even, I mean, that's, that's interesting. How'd you even come up with that? I mean, what, what was the inspiration for that? Uh, so the inspiration for Western Skies, which is the one we're talking about, it is uh, I wanted something that you could find growing wild okay. in the four corners. So you've got Utah, Colorado, New Mexico, and Arizona. I, everything in that blend, you can find growing wild in the four corners. Oh, so I wanted it cool. to be a very Southwest uh, kind of a down home, like, uh, and we named it Western Skies after obviously Chris Ledoux. Um, but we, we wanted it to be a very, almost just make you feel at home as soon as you smell and taste it kind of seasoning. Like you're sitting on the ranch on, you know, 500 acres watching the sun rise over the, the red cliffs. Dude, I'm headed, oh. I'm headed up to four corners area on Tuesday I can, or Monday. I can't even wait, man. I'll, I, I have all my boys in town. It's going to be the first time in a minute that we've had all the boys here. We're going up to Durango. 
So from nice. Ve- so from Vegas, we go right through four corners, and it's you know all summer long, New Mexico and Colorado up in that side of Colorado are doing hatch chilies, and yep, and you know all I mean every grocery store you go to has hatch chilies roasting on the outside, and you know they'll just hand you some. It's uh yeah, it's that the way you're describing that that reminds me of that area, you know, just southwestern, but you know, not jalapenos, you know, like, yeah, no jalapenos don't exist around here. Yeah. It's hatched. Yeah. It's hatched chili country out here. Yeah. Were you, are you born and raised in Utah? No, I'm not. I was from Virginia originally. Um, grew up in Virginia, up in the Shenandoah Valley, uh, the Blue Ridge mountains made a lot of, uh, videos up there. Like, uh, the Hills have eyes actually was filmed on the backside of my property. I grew up on 1500 acres. Wow. And uh, there was a lot of weird videos that were made up there. And obviously because there's some weird folks up there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I grew up in, uh, in the Blue Ridge Mountains and uh, joined the Marine Corps back in uh, 2009 because I was pretty much just on a path of uh, death and destruction. Didn't know what to do with my life. So I figured I'd do something quick before I did end up in an early shallow grave. Got stationed in Hawaii. Um, that was a vacation for five years. What was your MLS? Uh, 6123 hour plant mechanic for the CH 53s. Oh, very cool. So that was, that was awesome. I've always been a mechanic. So I talked to my grandfather before I joined the military. I says, uh, and he was, uh, he was in the Navy for 36 years. So he's very in tune with everything going on in the military. I sat down with old grandpa and, and I says, grandpa, I want to, I want to join the military. I think that's what I need to do. And, uh, he says, okay, well, what would you like to do? I says, I don't know. I've, I've always been a mechanic. Uh, I pretty much built my first car from, from the ground up, it was a uh, 95 Eddie Bauer edition Bronco, uh, built a 302 and uh, put a supercharger on it, eight inch lift kit, a whole bunch of stuff. Um, so he says, okay, cool. They got two types of mil- uh, mechanics in a Marine Corps. What would you like to do? I says, I don't know. I've always been an auto mechanic. So I figured maybe I'll just go be a, a motor T guy. And he's like, that's not a bad choice, but what's going to pay more when it gets out, when you get out? grandpa thinking you know being the smart man he was so I, I says well obviously aviation mechanic because they make buku dollars so i went in being an aviation mechanic and i wouldn't trade it for the world working on those shitters was some <laughs> of the best times of my life excuse my language <laughs> it's all right but if they're not leaking you don't have any right to be on them they're just a scary bird to be on <laughs> yeah that, that was always my eyesight was terrible and for some reason, if I always wanted to fly the 53, I don't know why. I think it's just big and ugly. But like, if I could pick any MLS, it'd be a 53 pilot. I, that's just, I love that helicopter. I can't explain it. I just do. It's just one of those things where it's like that, that helicopter pretty much has the power to pull your house off its foundation. Yeah. They're ridiculous. The, the payloads that those things can carry and the maneuvers they can carry. My goodness, we took some flights and it's, it'll just about turn your stomach inside out with the way that those pilots can maneuver those things. Well, I think got the new one coming out, it's the, uh, the kilo. The, yeah. It's been uh, out. Uh, it came out public to the Marine Corps, I believe, uh, two years ago, they started introducing those and getting rid of the old deltas. Have they, I don't have they got to the fleet yet. I don't think they've gotten to the fleet. They're still in production to get a squadron up and up and running, but yeah, they're, they're phasing out the deltas and the four thirteen engines and they're going to bring in the, the kilos and eventually they'll be phasing out the rest of the echoes as well from what i understand i've been kind of detuned so to speak from the military for a while yeah i still get the uh, military.com email so i 
for some weird way I'm still uh, I get updates on all that but oh well um, <laughs> we're getting we're getting sidetracked talking about Marine Corps stuff I'm sure Ben's not, not he is, he's zoned out he's, he's sleeping over there uh, yeah. what, what are you yeah. talking about? oh my god <laughs> what I need a, I need a buzzer on this end like, no I, I was actually looking up uh, I was on the interwebs looking up what a, I didn't know what the I knew what a sea stallion was but I didn't know the the nomenclature so I was okay. looking at oh, so I was looking, uh, yeah see we were talking marine talk and he's over there like yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. Normally, I'm pretty good with those aircraft, but I didn't. I didn't know that one. That one's pretty badass. Yeah, I miss it. I miss it. And then, I, so I decided after I got out of the military, I said, you know what? Maybe I don't want to work. I'm going to fly them. So I came out here to Cedar City, Utah. Uh, they have they have uh, one of the best flight schools in America for civilian training, hmm. and uh, I got to fly for a year and a half, and decided that it just wasn't something that I wanted to make a career. Why is that? Why, why the change of heart? Uh, I liked it too much, I guess. I, 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 there was just, I won't go into how students were treated at the time that I was at the school, but it wasn't awesome. Okay. But at the same time, I liked it so much that I didn't want to make it a job. Uh, uh. So I stepped away and just was like, you know what? That was awesome. I'm, I'm happy for the experience that I got. I got my private license and I was just like, you know what? I'm good. I'm happy with that. And I just kind of walked away. I know exactly what you mean. I, I'm a, I'm a amateur chef and uh, multiple, multiple <laughs> times I've enrolled. Uh, one time I even got all the way enrolled at Le Cordon Bleu to go to culinary school. And then every time I've thought about really seriously doing it, I went, Man, if I had to go to work every night at a restaurant and grind away and have people tell me my food sucks and, you know, and I'm like, "Eh, then I won't enjoy it. Like I enjoy it. It is my, that's my escape is putting some, some music on and just being in the kitchen. Right. And, and uh, yeah, I totally can relate to that where it's like, it's so much fun. You enjoy it so much, but then I really want to do this like to where it's the grind. Yeah, because at that point, it's not your passion anymore. You basically yeah. just ruined that for yourself, and it's that you'll never want to do it again. Yeah. So, what, so you got to Cedar City in 2014? Uh, yes, we moved up here in April of 2014. So and they had, had a you- snow and like freaking Mother's Day. It was ridiculous. <laughs> so, had, had you been there before, or did you only come for the school? I only came here for the school. Honestly, we were going to do the school and then kind of just take off wherever the jobs led us at that point when, when I was ready to go. But we, uh, we really turned out, we really liked the place. It's a really Uh, nice place to raise kids. It's nice and quiet. It's still somewhat small town feeling. uh, That's why I'm asking you. I'm totally familiar. My mom and dad uh, met actually at SUU before it was actually used to be like a, college of southern utah or something back in the day but my mom and dad actually met there um, nice. they tell stories about saving up they, they you know you know how your parents we walked barefoot both ways right my, oh, mom, yeah. my mom and dad remember when they built that taco time there uh on main street mm-hmm. and uh and they tell me oh we had to save up to go share tacos at taco time we were so poor <laughs> i'm like okay mom all right yeah gotcha but uh for our listeners, if you've never been to Cedar City, Utah, it's a hidden gem. 
I mean, I, you probably don't want me telling people that, but no, uh, keep them away. Keep them away. Yeah, Cedar <laughs> City is a beautiful place. They have an outstanding university there. It's uh, it's rated in like the top ten of greatest places to go to college in the country. Uh, Southern Utah University. It is a uh, it's a great place. Four seasons. You can get you know you can get up north, get down south pretty easy, you know. But then you can be up in the mountains. You got access to what like Bryce Canyon, uh, uh, Brian Head. Brian Hedge Zion. breaks. Zion's just down the road. Uh, don't go to Zion anytime this year, though, because they they just had a big flash flood and it uh, it it pretty well destroyed the entire visitor center. Oh, wow. did it really? I knew about yeah. The Man, that's it ripped terrible. up. It ripped up like the entire entrance road, and it's it's a mess right now. There's vehicles and stuff that are still stranded down there. This was like three days ago that it happened, and there it's going to be a while before they can rebuild. Oh yeah, I heard about it, but I I didn't. Uh, we have a cabin up at wow. Kolob Reservoir. Oh yeah, what's your address? Uh, what's your yeah? Send me the pin. Drop me a pin. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure. I'll make I'll sure it's well there. taken care of. I'll take you out there. The, uh, yeah. So Zion is Zion is tough in the summertime. Anyway, I think a lot of people try to get out there because obviously it's summertime, but you don't realize how hot it is. Oh, big time. People get out there and they get dehydrated and pass out on these hikes and stuff because they don't know yep. it's it's you know it's basically Las Vegas desert weather yep. uh, down below and then when you get up top there could be snow you know yep. and it's like absolutely it's crazy up there yeah but. definitely need to definitely need to do your homework on going to Zion places like that because even like even the transport buses and stuff they have no ventilation whatsoever they just they just meant to pack people in like sardines and get them from one place to another so yeah even, I've yeah. I've seen people even pass out on the bus. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's, funny. It's pretty yeah. funny to be there and be from Utah or know what you're doing uh, to see all the tourists out there and just yeah, uh, it's pretty funny. <laughs> so so you got out in 2014. You get to Cedar City. You go to school and then then you kind of found a job and loved Cedar City and then transitioned into drunken butcher, huh? I just yeah, just job hopped job hopped from uh, from job to job really wasn't happy it's just kind of the dead end mechanic jobs and manufacturing isn't the funnest out here the 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 big boys in the plants definitely don't know how to treat uh employees i would say and i'm not one to be pushed around yeah so to speak yeah yeah, yeah. um Definitely. And that's, that's one thing with my business models. I will never be fake. I will never lie. It's just, I'm me. So, so take tell, it or leave it. I'm me. Tell our listeners how it feels to be your own boss. Scary. To be yeah. honest. Yeah. It's, 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 I'm, I'm treading in, in waters that I've never thought I would ever be in. Um, I never thought so. January of last year, was my breaking point at my job. I was working at a manufacturing facility here as a mechanic and they wanted me to go to night shift. And I'd just been treated like crap the entire time I was there. Um, so I just kind of made it up in my mind, had a chat with the wife maybe once or twice about potentially leaving and trying to do the drunken butcher exclusively. Um, because at that point I was still working a full-time job while doing orders and social media and drinking and, you know, making stupid drunken videos on YouTube. January of last year was my breaking point. I'd had enough and decided that then since they were going to put me on night shift, I gave them my two weeks and just kind of, I'll put it like I texted my buddy the other day. I, uh, cause he's kind of, he, he's kind of looking at 
the same thing where he's just tired of being treated like crap. And I says, you know what? Sometimes you've got to jump that bridge. You've got to jump off that bridge and you're going to hit rock bottom. You're going to hit absolute rock bottom. And then you've got to start fighting because if you don't fight, you're never going to make it back up. But the more you fight and the more you try, you'll see that you start floating. And that's kind of where we're at now. It took me almost a year and a half of fighting and hitting rock bottom from quitting my job, not having any income. My wife had to start a job working because she was at the time she was a stay at home wife um, and mother. So she went back to work to support us while I tried to chase my dream and we fought and we were just, I mean, as poor as could be no money, just broke fighting all the time because we were so broke. And we're getting to the point where we're getting comfortable again. We're floating. Hmm. We're getting back to the top. And I wouldn't even say it's the top because I'm nowhere near the top. I'm just getting started on this journey now that I've got a storefront where I'm going to be on the top eventually. But we're not having to fight so hard anymore. Do you think, I think a lot of people face that that dilemma where they, they have a nine to five or a W2 job, but they have a side hustle. I mean, I know it's everybody's different, but I kind of get the impression that had you not quit your job, you wouldn't be in the position you are today because you freed up a lot of time, even though it was, correct me if I'm wrong, even though it was a sacrifice and a challenge and it was a big unknown, but by taking that leap of faith, you freed that time up to create the success you're having now. So Correct. Is, that, is that a fair assessment? Oh yeah, I would say so. I, okay. I think look at, look at it this way too. If for, for 90% of Americans, whether you're a veteran or not, not even thinking about joining the military, but for 90%, 95% of Americans, there's never ever going to come a time to where you can say, I'm comfortable. I can quit my job and pursue my dream. There's never going to come a time where you're comfortable saying that. Yeah. If you don't make the leap, you're never going to know what lies ahead. You're never going to know your full potential unless you push yourself to do it. And I think, I think there's something to be said for kind of burning your bridges and or burning your boats, really, you know, cause you had no choice but to be successful. You know, had yeah. you had, had you stayed in your nine to five, your W2, yeah, you would have been miserable, but maybe you would have given up on the drunken butcher. I'm like, ah, it's not really going anywhere. I'll just stick out yeah. with this, this regular job. Cause I, I, I struggle with that exact thing all the time. Yeah, I just I got to the point where it was sink or swim, and I yeah. I don't give myself a chance to sink. Yeah, I don't. That was just like when I quit uh, quit alcohol uh, a little over a year, year and a half ago. I I gave myself no choice. I didn't wean myself off of it. I took a half a gallon of the cheapest liquor that I had in my cupboard, which was the only thing I had left, and I dumped that son of a gun right down the drain. And I said, I'll never have a drink again. That's awesome. I just, that's, that's, that's my way of enforcing to myself that I'm going to do this yeah. kind of thing, you know, quit your job. You have no choice at that point. You have to do it. Can I ask, this is off topic a little bit, but I think it's important since you stopped alcohol, what are the, what are the changes you notice just in general without drinking anymore? Cause I think a lot of people don't realize the benefits of just stopping. Uh I got pretty heavy, uh, into the drink, obviously active duty when I was active. Yeah. Oh, it was nothing. I mean, I'd put down a half gallon, no problem a night and be good. Um, 
but that was just drinking with the boys. Uh, when I got out, I continued that. And obviously, uh, I gained a little bit of weight from not having a PT anymore, not being forced to PT. Uh, so I started drinking heavier, started eating a lot more, just was not liking my life, uh, struggled with a lot of depression and suicidal, uh, thoughts. Um, marriage started crumbling and, and when I quit, it's, I'm not going to say it was a night and day difference because it wasn't, it took a lot of time for us to get back to where we are now, but I enjoy life and I see the positivity in things, no matter how bleak it may seem, there's always a light in every dark situation. And I didn't see that before when I was drinking, I was just, I'm just going to drink to cover it up or I'm going to drink because it's going to make me forget whatever. Wow. I think, I think a lot of people are in that same position. And, uh, I just always like to talk about that because I, I, I rarely drink anymore. If, if at all, I mean, I'll, I still enjoy a scotch here and now here and then, but I tell you, I think, I think there's something really powerful and really important about giving up vices like that. I think it, it's beneficial to your health, both physically and mentally. And I don't think people really, I don't think they give it enough credit. And so no, that's, I'm proud of you. Because that bottle's got such a tight grip on them. Yeah. That bottle or that, that vice, whatever it may be, whether it's tobacco or drugs, it's got such a tight grip on them. It's got their mind skewed as to what's right and wrong, what's good yeah. and bad, what's healthy, not healthy anymore. And they just can't let it go. It's that's their escape from reality. And it, you know, it's funny. I had this discussion not too long ago with, um, actually, with another guest. But what's what I think people don't realize, and we'll get back. That we're going on a tangent, but what people don't realize <laughs> about drink, drinking is it messes with your sleep. And if you're not sleeping right, everything else starts falling apart. Yeah. So not only is alcohol just physically draining on you, it affects your sleep, which affects your weight, which affects your mental health, and then you drink more to compensate for mental issues but then you're gaining weight so now you're you're not sleeping right so you drink more to sleep more it, it's a it's a cycle and I, I was i'm only saying that because i was you know i would I, there was a time when i was drinking before i go to bed ah, i'll have a couple of drinks and help me go to sleep and it's like that's that's the wrong thing to do that yep. just makes everything worse um so i'm <laughs> getting on my soapbox and on a tangent but i it's it's good to talk about it. i think i think a lot of people don't realize well you're making a good point. I mean, that goes along with, with what Chris is saying. You're, I mean, Chris is saying, you know, he looked at his life and he said, Hey, there's a couple things I need to change. You know, the things I care about aren't going so well. And one of those contributing factors is, is if I can stop this drinking, you identify that. And you say, Hey, I, I don't want to drink anymore. I want to focus on my marriage. I want to focus on, I'm going to start this business and I'm going to freaking do it. You know, I'm yeah. going to, I'm not giving up. I'm going to, you know, that whole mentality is what, you know, is what amazes me about it. You know, week in and week out, we have people on and there's, everybody has a different story, but it seems to me that there's a common theme, right? Take the gloves off and start swinging. Like yep. there's, there's always going to, you know, Brian, you and I talk about this all the time. There's mm-hmm. going to, there's always some excuse, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? The timing's not right. I can't quit my job. I can't. And, and some of those things are all great. I mean, those are legitimate roadblocks, right? But to your point, Chris, like you just got to take the gloves off and start swinging. You want to make a change. You want to start a business. You want to lose weight. You want to get off the drugs. Um, You got to take the gloves off and start swinging. I mean, you know, we've had, 
we had a guy on um, uh, a couple weeks ago and he, you know, he kind of put it like, he said, you know, I, I was all these things that I thought I was, but I wasn't that. Like I, I envisioned myself as, you know, this great businessman, this good boyfriend, uh, you know, and, and, you know, and, and like, I'm an upstanding guy. Right. But he said at some point, he said, I hit such rock bottom. And I look at myself and like, he's like, I'm living a life and I am somebody that is at the exact opposite of what I want to be and what I, and who I think I am or who I say I am. And uh, he said the same thing. He's like, you know what? You just come out swinging and, and you just make those decisions to make a change and do what it is that you want to do to make your life better. Um, you know, it sounds to me like, you know, you cared about your wife and you cared about your family and you cared, you know, and, and you went, nah, this wasn't for me. I'm going this direction. And, yeah. and you haven't stopped swinging. You know? I haven't, and I won't stop yeah. swinging, not until I'm six feet under. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. It almost, it almost sounds like, you know, I think, I think veterans in particular, and I think a lot of people are probably prone, but I think probably more so veterans. I think for whatever reason, somewhere along the line, there's a, there's a switch that gets flipped where, we get accustomed to a certain amount of adversity, right? There's a certain amount of un discomfort that we need for some reason. And I can't explain it, but I think the reason a lot of veterans are get so driven is that they, and they're able to put aside these habits is like you, you pick up these negative habits to create that adversity, right? But if you can replace that negative energy with something positive, like you did, I think that's, I think that will get anybody, well, not anybody, but I think that gets you on the right track is like, you need that challenge, but you need that energy focused in the right direction, which sounds like exactly what you did. Um, uh, not to be like cliche at all, but to be honest, sometimes, it, and I shouldn't say to be honest, because I'm always as honest as I possibly can be, which is pretty much ever, but it, sometimes it really just does take a good, strong look in the mirror. Yeah. Yeah, you know? self self evaluation. Yeah, uh, self self deception is the is the easiest thing to do, and self evaluate true self evaluation is the hardest thing to do. To really look at yourself and go, am I am I who I think I am? Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's just... the hardest. <laughs> That's me. awesome. So I think we beat that horse to death, but <laughs> we can beat it some more. <laughs> oh yeah, you know I. I mean, I'm with, I just want to, no, I'm just joking. No, I, well, Let's circle back on it. Yeah. So I, I just right, think you're right, right Jen, though. So that circle back. The, the veteran, the veteran angle though, I think what you're, you know, part of what you're saying too, though, is, is that I think we're taught, was it Marcus Luttrell that said, you know, no matter how dark it gets, and I'm probably misquoting him. So Marcus, if you hear this, I hope you hear it, number one, <laughs> but if you do hear it, uh, you know, I'm sorry for misquoting you, but he, he has a quote that says, you know, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how lonely you get or how dark and deep the hole gets, you're always in the fight, stay in the fight. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think, I think whether you're the, the, you know, million mile an hour with your hair on fire, uh, you know, F-14 pilot or a Navy SEAL or a operator in the army or just a normal mechanic or scout or whatever, we have that ingrained in us, right? You don't have to be the 20 year, uh, you know, break in case of, uh, break glass in case of war soldier or Marine 
to have that ingrained in you. You they beat they beat out of you in basic training, regardless of what you're doing. They beat it out of you, and then they brainwash you to never be out of the fight. And that's I I feel that way all the time in my life. Like whether I'm cleaning pools, doing Modus Nation, whatever it is, you're always in the fight. Got to be in the fight. Never quit. You know, well, it's just like going back to basic, you know, day one in basic, they just beat you down. They beat you down for days and days and days. They beat you down just from sun up to sundown and beyond. And then they start breaking you and break you of your habits and break you of everything that you ever knew as a, as a human being. You, they break you. And then that last little bit, they start building you up. Yeah. And that's exactly what's happened during this entire journey to where we are today with my business is we've been broken down and we got beat up and we got broken of those habits. And now we're starting to be built back up. Yeah. So let's talk about your business. Let me, let's tell our listeners about the best, uh, uh, spice that you have. And I don't think you sell it anymore is the Ma Deuce spice. Oh, Ma Deuce. <laughs> We're not going to go into the legal battle on that one, but we had to change the name from Ma Deuce. Uh, and I couldn't think of a better name, but Fitty. So that is a peppery blend. Um, it's spicy. amazing. It's a spicy blend, just like a Ma Deuce. It's nice and spicy. Uh, it goes great on everything. We love it on chicken, steaks, pork, um, I even put it on my eggs. Yeah, we put it on some French fries. We actually like you Ooh, know, the, French fries would be good. Yeah, the French fries you throw in the oven, the frozen ones. Yeah. I, I sprinkled it on there and <laughs> put them in the oven. It's it was really really good. I we had a couple a couple little uh, cup or the little jars of it, but it's uh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, f- so for our listeners. Um, Ma Deuce, which is my company, and then he had, you know, Chris had a spice with it, is the M2 uh, 50 cal browning machine gun. And they, uh, it's the mother of all machine guns. So they call it the Ma Deuce. So it's, uh, that's the mother of all spices. What's it called now? Fitty? Fitty. Like a fitty cow. Oh, fitty cow. Okay. Fitty cow. Yeah. I like it. You know, now uh, I'm just so, waiting on Fifty Cent to come after me. I was I was about to say, I was about to say, oh, did you name it after Fifty? Now, uh, if I have to change it again, I'll just name it Forty Nine and a Half. There you go. There you go. I gotta find it because I gotta. I'm looking at your website right now. I gotta find it again in order. Can you can you talk a little bit about why? Yeah, I, I mean, please don't go into anything too great a detail, but I, I'm a little curious. Like, I, the M2 is just a general designation, or the Modus is just slang for the, that that gun yeah so that term was created back i believe it was world war one um by the marines and uh it was basically just slang as you said um just a quick term for get the big ass machine gun so they named it the modus um that term was coined and there's there's several trademarks on it uh none that included food mostly included obviously the gun itself um the weapon system and uh i believe ben you're going after the trademark for clothing yeah so we have we have some stuff on the on yeah for our brand just our brand yeah so there's there can be multiple trademarks for one name as long as they don't clash with each other so 
the company that's trademarked Madus out from under me, I shouldn't even say it's out from under me. They may or may not have started the seasoning before I did. I didn't know they had it uh, until just a little, uh, a couple months ago, they started sending their lawyers after me. Um, nice, nice guys, I tell you. Uh, and it's another veteran-owned company. And that's what boggles my mind, is if there's a veteran-owned company that has something that you have as well as another veteran, why not just reach out to them? We're a brotherhood, a sisterhood. Yeah. But don't, don't, we're not out to screw each other over. As, as far as I am aware, 95% of the veterans out here in the community are to work together, not just out for themselves. 100%. I mean, Chris reached out to us and said, hey, by the way, we didn't know yeah. each other. He was like, hey, by the way, you know, because we're all trying to support each other. I mean, I, I would tell you, um, since Brian and I have been doing this podcast, since my wife and I started Maudu's Nation, it amazes me still. And I'm a veteran. It amazes me the T-shirt guys that'll go, hey, I'll help you with whatever you need. Or, you know, it's a tribe. It's a tribe. Yeah, absolutely that generally take care of each other. And it is kind of shocking to see when somebody steps out of line, right? Like you go, wait, what? Wow. Okay. You know, you're yeah. a veteran company and you're not, you know, like you said, pick up the phone and call me and go, Hey man, uh, let's work it out. Yeah. Can we talk about this? We noticed this, you know, it's affecting our sales, whatever it is. Just, yeah. you know, I, you know, most, I, I agree with it, you, man. Most people, I don't know for, for our listeners though, from a um like a suggestion type of thing like if somebody's coming up with whatever it is you know whatever gadget gadget that they're selling um do you suggest maybe doing um like having an attorney do a trademark or a patent i mean what are your thoughts on that yeah i'd say we're in that kind of society where if you create something you think that is one of a kind and and uh, you don't want anybody else to be able to have the rights to absolutely go for it. Cause that's just, like I said, that's just kind of the society we're in where you have to trademark it before anybody else can screw you over on it. And I'm learning that I've had to change two names now because one, uh, so our whole line of seasonings used to be labeled as meat sprinkles. And we coined that term back when we basically, we first started the company and uh, a year and a half ago, somebody applied for the trademark on it out from under us and they haven't done anything with the name yet they've just they took the trademark so i can't get it so yeah it almost seems yeah. like it almost seems like a lot of this stuff they don't necessarily care about the name they're just using it as a weapon to harm your business not necessarily to harm my business but it's more so that i just i can't take it yeah i so see I, that a it lot it can't be mine it can't I be see. mine it's theirs they don't they're never going to do anything with it but i can't have it yeah, but I mean, I think, but if they own it and they never use it, that's that's one less tool you have in your toolbox to market, you know? So it's. I got no problem with marketing. Well, I got, yeah. I, I've gone above and beyond the meat sprinkles mafia that we used to call it. Okay. And, and my tribe, my community of loyal customers, friends, and followers know that the, that the meat sprinkles will live on forever. No matter who owns it, it will always be known as the drunken butcher. Okay. That's awesome. And the same way with Maudus. When yeah. I, before I took Maudus off my website, you Google Maudus seasoning. I was the first one to come up always. 
and now I've taken it down and you can figure out who trademarked it out from under me. That's how, that's how, uh, we found you. Cause we were Googling stuff to make sure we weren't stepping on toes. And we found him. My wife was like, wait, this dude's in Cedar city selling Mahadu's, <laughs> you know, Mahadu's seasoning. I was like, Oh, we got to get some of that, you know? But yeah. I remember you guys reaching out on, uh, on Instagram the first time. I was like, Hey, look, we're Mahadu's nation. Yeah. And you got a Mahadu's season. We need to do something. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I never once thought, Oh man, this may interfere with what we're doing. Why is he? I I just I don't know, man. I, what I have I a hard time with people. What I kicked around for probably a month and a half before I replied to the lawyer was, okay, cool. This dude's gonna trademark a name. Great. But why are you gonna trademark a name that you didn't come up with, that doesn't belong to your veteran community, because you weren't a marine? You're going to trademark a Marine Corps name for the profit of your own business that you didn't create. That just bugs me. It bugs the heck out of me that somebody would create or get a trademark over a name they didn't create that was created back uh, forever ago. And they're, they're going to make profit off of it. Yeah. I thought trademarks that when I started this whole thing, I thought trademark had to have been like something you create like a copyright, trademark, uh, a patent that was all, you know, you created it, it's yours, it's your intellectual property, it's your product, that's yours. But apparently you can just trademark anything nowadays. So I'm gonna go and I'm gonna, I don't know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trademark some, something stupid just to say I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's, that's amazing to hear. Cause I, I mean, now that you guys are talking about this, I, I, it makes sense, but I would have, before we had this conversation, I would have never guessed it mod deuce could be trademarked because it, it it's just such a common term you know and it's yeah. not like it's not like you're you're calling it browning right or colt you know you're not taking an established brand name it's just it seems to me that it's just a, a phrase that's in common use i would have never expected that I yep. that's, uh, so another one that's commonly uh trademarked and it's trademarked to, i mean you want to talk about a dead horse being beat spg SPG has got so many freaking trademarks on it, but it's over trademarks to the point where nobody's going to go after anybody because everybody has an SPG. Hmm. My SPG is the only one you'll find on the market today that is truly SPG. Everybody else has a bunch of other crap in it that they don't need. Hmm. Uh, but it's just, it's a, it's a dog eat dog world. The yeah. seasoning world is not, uh, a, a nice place to be. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, I mean, maybe this is getting kind of in the weeds, but because it's such a huge market and there are such huge players in the seasoning world, do you think that some of these other guys are, they're just being cutthroat because their intention is just to sell out to a bigger company at some point. And they're just trying to, to put as many, you know, widgets in their tool chest just to be more valuable. I mean, do you think that's part of it? I would say so. There's a lot of the companies out nowadays, the the newer companies that that are they've got a hell of a marketing gig, um, do awesome branding, and I I see a lot of them as they're just here for the short game, just trying to build up a big brand and try to sell off to another major company um, just to make their their five minutes of fame and their five bucks. Mm -hmm. um, I have never been that way, and I will never be that way. I'm in it for the long haul. And I will never 
change that for anything. I, I'm, I'm not out for fame. I could give two shits how many followers I have on Instagram. I know I'm making a good product. I know I'm feeding uh, customers and friends and family the best quality products I, I can put out and uh, having a great time doing it. I, I'm just, like I said, that just goes back to being me. I'm not yeah. somebody I'm not good, you know, I'm not a fake, so to speak. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I think what you're describing is it's, that's the, I mean, <laughs> that's the recipe for success. Uh, no pun intended, but you know, I, I, I a few think, of those. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people are willing to do that, you know, but to focus on a, a quality product from a good company that's focused on the values of the company, you know, it's in the long run, you're going to be successful. I mean, I know you already are, but I know it's going to be much bigger because it's, you're, you're doing everything the right way. So that's awesome. I haven't, awesome. I haven't had to start living at my shop yet. So we're doing all right. <laughs> what was before you started this? I mean, what was your biggest, what was your biggest fear going into this? Like when you were still at your W2 job, like what, what was, what was holding you back from doing it the first time or initially? Uh, holding me back. I would, I would have to say hands down. It was just the unknown of okay. going from a, a steady Monday through Friday job, having a, a good income, a, a very, very good income for here in Cedar uh, and going from income to literally no income overnight. That was my biggest thing. Okay. That's a big thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty big thing when you got a mortgage to pay for and kids to feed. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, kids do eat a lot, so, you know. Eh, it doesn't get any easier as they get older either. I'm learning. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Wait till you got teenagers. They eat you out of, out of the fridge. Yeah. Isn't it the worst when you cook dinner and then they don't eat dinner and then they're in the pantry like two hours later and like, what the hell are you doing? That's one, that's one thing that I'm grateful for is, is I, have a, I, I have a no slack attitude when it comes time to eat. Um, I've always had my kids to the point where you get – they have a little phrase that they say – you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Yeah. My kids have no choice but to eat what I put at the table. And yeah, we caught some flack here and there for a few meals. But for the most part, I would say 99% of the time they, they eat and they love every bit of it. That's awesome. Yeah, they, kids are pretty resilient. They learn pretty quick. And they, they get, they'll, let, you know, they'll get away with as much as you'll let them. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's funny. So how many spices do you have out now total? Oh, geez, I think we're 25 to 27. Um, now that's also including I've got two jerky seasonings that are all included. Um, recipes on the bottle as far as what you add per pound of meat. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, we have two jerky seasonings. I have a brine for chickens, uh, white meat, uh, as far as chickens, turkeys, anything like that, Ooh. poultry. Uh, I've got a dessert blend. Um, Ooh, what's a, what's a dessert blend? So my dessert blend tastes like if you were to shove a cream cheese, chocolate, frosted cinnamon roll in your face, like a Cinnabon on steroids. Ooh. Yeah. And, what and it's you... not only good on desserts, but it's good on popcorn too. Um, oh, I was going to say that. Yeah, like a popcorn. Or... Yeah, if you make your own like popcorn on one of those little stovetop kettle type things. Um it's great on popcorn. Uh, we make French toast with it. Honestly, we, we've completely replaced the cinnamon sugar French toast style and do this. Um, 
people put it in their coffee kind of as a, a sweetener or creamer, so to speak. And it's just a, it's a really, I've, I've had people eat it right out of the bottle. Honestly, I'm on the website right now, where's that at? What's that called? Uh, sweet cheeks. <laughs> I, like I like to have fun with my names too. Not very politically correct. We've got sweet cheeks and we've got, uh, Going back to my Marine Corps days, obviously, we used to have Madus, but I also have Gunny's Remedy, which is a seasoned salt because, you know, Gunny's are always salty. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Um, Let's see. What else have we got here? I got to turn around and look at my inventory. S-O-B. S-O-B. We've got uh, I've got a bagel seasoning out there, like a bagel, uh, everything bagel blend uh, that's called Let's Get Toasted. I like it. Um, I've got the Mediterranean meat sweats. Uh, one more taco. That's oh yeah, one one more taco. Holy pluck. That's a buffalo seasoning. I need to make a drive out to your shop because I am really impressed with all this, and I am getting really hungry. Thinking about all the recipes. (laughs) (laughs) What's What's the campfire one? All right, so campfire is a special blend to me. Um. And Ben, you may see it there on the label, but for the viewers and the listeners on here right now, um, campfire, I wanted something that, that made you feel like you were sitting around a campfire. It's a smoky, it's a roasted, toasted blend that just just kind of brings you back to sitting around grilling hot dogs around the campfire. Or oh, steaks, I, I mean, I'm living, I'm living on steaks now, uh, cheap steaks, but we're living on steaks. Uh, <laughs> we've moved from hot dogs to steaks, so we're doing all right. Um, now we teamed up with a veteran organization, a 501 C 501 or 513. I can't remember, but it's a, it's a nonprofit organization called wishes for warriors. Okay. And, uh, Brian Marshall, bam, bam on Instagram started that organization years ago. Um, he's also prior Marine. Great dude. Awesome dude. Give the shirt off his back. If he, if, if he had it, he's, he's always giving his freaking shirts away. <laughs> but great dude, um, good personal friend of mine. He started this company, or not even company, he started the organization to take out veterans as kind of an, like an outdoor rehab type thing. Um, so we started teaming up with him to donate a portion of the proceeds of that blend, which is it's actually one of our most popular blends. We donate 22% of our proceeds to Wishes for Warriors. Now, that 22%, as you guys may know, means something to all of us veterans. Right. Yeah. 22 yeah. veterans a day. Um, so I, I kind of chose that number. I, it, it means a lot to me, and it means a lot to the organization. I love the organization. They're good people. So we're, we're donating a very hefty portion of the proceeds to them. That's incredible. I, that's, that's awesome to hear, especially considering, I mean, you're – a fairly new company. I mean, that's a lot of people are not willing to do that so early in their career. So that, that means a lot. And that's, that's awesome. I, I give all, I'll give you all the kudos in the world for doing that. That's, that's awesome. Look, I'm not out to get rich. If I can make a buck so I can turn around and make another bottle. I'm happy with that. I'm happy with the product that I'm putting out. I'm putting yeah. out the best quality product that I can. And if, like I said, if I don't get rich off of it, so what? I'm donating a lot of the proceeds from a lot of the things we do here. Uh, I've got a buddy of mine that's active duty, still Marine Corps. He makes paracord bracelets and I sell them for 1775. <laughs> Wonder why. 
Uh, $7.75 of that sale. So all of the profit off of that sale goes to our local police department. I donate a lot around here because I, I like I said, I don't, I don't want to get rich. I don't want to be living at the top of the hill with all the fancy snobs and, and driving the Mercedes and stuff. I'm me and I like where I'm at in life. And if I can sell the seasonings at a reasonable price and make a profit as far as being able to turn that into more product, more product. And that's me. And it's not necessary. I know you're, you're saying this tongue in cheek, but it's not necessarily about not wanting to be a rich snob. It's, it's something else. It's on the reverse side of that. It's, you know, I think you, like many other people we interview have seen the other side. You've seen it from, you know, from a, a veteran standpoint, um, you clearly have lived in different parts of the country and, you know, it's ingrained again, ingrained in you, just like it is in most veteran guys that start companies that it's time. You got to give back because there's a sense of community, a sense of tribe, a sense of, you know, we've defended this country and our country right now is a mess. And the people of this country have forgotten that it's okay to disagree. It's okay to have a different religion. It's okay to be a different color. It's okay to be different. Um, and have forgotten that that's okay. And that's what this country was built on. And guys like you and I and Brian and many of the other guys we've had on fought to defend our right to be different, right? Everybody's rights to be, we fought, mm -hmm. we fought to defend other people's rights to be different and express themselves. But what's happened is, is that reverse, like we've become the, you know, the powers that be, whatever tinfoil hat you want to put on and point fingers at but that the powers that be want us to be mad at each other want us to not trust each other they want us to hate each other they want us to fight and bicker so that they can control the purse strings and the puppet strings at the top and guys like you and i and brian we you know part of our mission statement at modus is to just be better right be better and you know, as a veteran, we, we take a, an oath, right, to, to defend our country against, you know, foreign and domestic enemies. And as somebody that's not active duty anymore, I still think I take that oath very seriously. And I think that that in my interpretation of that oath, it carries to I'm still living up to that. And I'm trying I'm trying to live up to it and and protect the people at home, we're still protecting them and being better community members, you know, whatever that is. And I think that, you know, I think you're the same way you're saying it talking to cheat. Cause you know, you're a smart ass like the rest of us, but I just didn't have enough time to really come up with a, a, a thoughtful and tactful answer to that question. <laughs> no. But it's, it's, it, to me, it's all about just remaining humble and remaining yeah. where and remembering where I came from. I came from a shithole, excuse my language. I, I didn't have the best of start with this company. And I know that the law enforcement around here, uh, the veterans organizations, they don't get the best stuff. They don't get treated the best. They don't have enough money to do things. So if I can give back in any little tiny way that I can, I'm going to, and I'm going to fight tooth and nail to do so while I still can. Yeah. I th you know what it sounds like? You're just, what you're describing is it's kind of the analogy of like when you're on a plane, you know, they tell you, if you're flying with kids, you put your air mask on first, right? Because if you don't, you won't be in a position to 
help the kids next to you. It's not that you're being selfish. It's that by helping yourself first, sometimes you put yourself in a position to help other people to a greater extent. And that's what you're doing. So, you know, it's, I, like I said, it's, you're doing awesome, you know, and I wouldn't feel, I don't think anyone thinks that you're doing this to get rich or anything, but I, I think your intentions are, are in the right place. So I, I hope you get rich. I hope this company takes off, which I'm sure it will. Cause you're, you're doing everything the right way. You know, and, I just want enough to survive and be comfortable. That's yeah. all. And go hunting, with, um, go hunting with your buddy up at Colop. <laughs> yeah, that, that, and uh, one of my biggest things that I've always kind of said in the back of my mind is when I started this company is I want to be able to get my dad out here before he's too old and uh, uh, health wise, not able to, but I would like to get him on his first elk. And I believe this year we're, we're going to make that happen. That's awesome. Nice. Nice. Is, your, is your dad live in the area or is he out of state? No, he, they still live in Virginia. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's very cool. So I know you've got a lot going on, but what are your, do you have any plans to increase your product? I mean, what, you plan to open different stores? Like what are your, I know you don't want to get too big, but what are your far down the road plans for your drunken butcher? What do you plan? Uh, near future, uh, we're going to do a, either a food truck or a brick and mortar restaurant. Um, I've got several um, notepads and books of recipes that I've created over the years. Um, and I love to cook and people love to come over to my house cause I'm always feeding them. And, uh, so we're, we're going to do the restaurant thing one way or another and go from there as far as that, uh, expanding our line. Uh, I, I used to do what we used to call a blend of the month where you subscribe and you get the newest released seasoning every single month. And I've had a lot of questions as to how far can you take this? How many blends are you going to have? And honestly, the world is your oyster in the seasoning world. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's an infinite possibility of how many things now do I want to have 200 different blends? No, absolutely not. That's too much to keep track of. Will I come out with another five or 10? Absolutely. And we're working on getting back to the kitchen where I can start my R and D process again. Um, we're going to get into a line of liquid sauces, uh, marinades and stuff here soon. Wow. Um, and just kind of ever evolve this business from what it was as an idea to, and who knows, who knows what it could turn into. It's turned into a barbecue store so far. That's incredible. So, I mean, are you had with, with those different plans for different types of sauces? I mean, it, does that require different types of food licensing and things like that? Or has that, have you already covered all that? Uh, we're, we're pretty well covered in what we're doing here. Uh, I cannot mix liquids here in this facility because we don't have uh, what they call an interceptor, which is just basically a big in-ground uh, grease trap. So we're going to have to do that as a separate facility, uh, but we will. We're, we're covered health and FDA-wise on the liquid stuff mm -hmm. as far as our licensing. Um, I also would like to open up a processing center eventually because there's just not enough around. There's actually, there's no dedicated wild game processors here in Cedar anymore. They've all either retired or closed up, including really? myself. Yeah. Wow. Yep. I was the only one for about two years. Why do you Jeez. think it is it just lack of demand or just nobody wants to deal with it because it's uncertain, right? So with your domestic animals, it's pretty well certain that you're going to get X amount of animals at the auction 
every week or every month. Whereas hunting season, you have to rely on people killing animals and being successful for your paycheck. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's a that's something I'm definitely not familiar with. So that, that's interesting. Hmm. I mean, is that something that you can do? Just a, like, is that a does that have to be a full time commitment, or is that something that you could do part time? And is that the way that the season works? Uh, yeah. Well, so the season really, the, your big game season goes from about August to middle of January. So okay. you only have a handful of months where you have to be dedicated. Because I don't. I don't trust a whole lot of people to, to have the sense of pride and, and craftsmanship in the business and carry the name, the drunken butcher mm. that, you know, it just today's workforce is not the best because of all of the government benefits they have going on right now. Mm. Um, but it takes us, it takes a special type of person to have that sense of pride and passion and, and craftsmanship to keep carrying on your name and that dedication. So it's going to take me a while to figure out who I want to hire. Okay. That's so yeah, it's pretty much just going to be me and the wife. That's mm. awesome. Uh, that's, that sounds like a whole nother show right there. That'd be interesting. Um, what me and the wife? No, you don't want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, a third show. Let me, let me rephrase. I think we have a lot of show ideas coming out here. <laughs> we can do a, we can do a Patreon on one of those. But, yeah. Yeah. Or an OnlyFans, depending on your uh, preference. Hey, I'm a, I've, I've heard I've got pretty good looking hands. I should start an OnlyFans. <laughs> Be a hand model. So tell, uh, tell all of our listeners where they can find you on the web, uh, Instagram, Facebook, whatever you got. Yeah. So our website is the drunken uh, pretty simple. I, and I kind of chose the U.S. because I'm a very patriotic person. Um, I like that, that U.S. dot U.S. versus a dot com. Uh, so it's the Drunken Butcher U.S. dot dot U.S. I'm sorry. Uh, Instagram is the drunk, the, oh, geez, what is it? It's the underscore Drunken Butcher. We had a bigger platform. Uh, we, we'd almost made it to 10K. And last, uh, almost a year ago, our account got hacked and deleted. So we had to start all over. But like I said, I don't care about followers. Obviously, the more followers you have, the more people that are going to see your shenanigans and want to check it out and, and follow along. Uh, and, and we're starting from the bottom. And I'm okay with that because it gives us kind of an opportunity to start fresh. So it's the underscore drunken butcher on Instagram. Uh, we don't really have a Snapchat. That's, uh, that's for kids pretty much <laughs> Snapchat, <laughs> but, uh, the Facebook is just the drunken butcher and, uh, we sell nationwide ship to all 50 States. We're working on finding a, uh, an entity that can help us get legal in California. Uh, what is it across the border? The Canucks, the uh, Canadians. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Canadians. <laughs> We're trying to get up there. Um, it's a freaking process. I'll tell you that. And it's not one that I want to undertake by myself. So we're going to have to get some legal help on that one. Uh, a lot of tariff uh, certificates and licensing that goes along with that. So we're going to try, but um, for right now, either you can stop into our store here in Cedar city, Utah. Uh, it's five seventy four North 1450 West. If you see my ugly Tahoe with all of the drunken butcher graphics on it, out front that I'm here. Uh, we'll be open Monday. Let's see here. We'll, we'll be open Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday from 10 to 8. 
and Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday, we're off because we're in the kitchen making all the amazing products. Very cool. That's awesome. Very cool. So Ben always likes to ask the question, but I, I'm going to do it this time just because I'm in a spicy mood. But wow. I'm kinda, wow. You like that? Feeling, you like feeling spicy? Exactly. I'm, I'm on a roll with the puns tonight. I don't know what's gotten into me. But uh, I'm stealing Ben's idea, stealing Ben's question. But in any case, you know, like, like we've talked about, you know, the, the show is really about people that are going from zero to one. So what's, what's one thing you could tell the listeners right now if someone that's on the fence looking to make a change in life, what, what's one piece of advice you would give to, to our listeners? Oh, boy. Uh, putting me on the spot there, bud. Um, that's the idea. (laughs) I think it goes back to earlier when, when I, when I mentioned that there's never really going to come a time in life where you're comfortable enough to just walk away from something as big as having a nine to five comfortable job and you just need to do it. If you, if you have that passion and you have the, the means and the ability to do good with that passion, whether it's photography, it's uh, opening up your own uh, motorcycle training school. I've got a good friend that's getting ready to make the plunge and do that. Just do it because you're never going to, if you stay at that nine to five job, you're never going to know your true potential and full success unless you just do it. Yeah, I agree. That's awesome. I think that's a perfect place to end. So guys, listeners, everyone out there, please check out the drunken butcher. As you can tell, he's an awesome dude with an awesome product, an awesome story. Um, Should probably change my name to the sober butcher though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that could be your spinoff company. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a friend of mine here locally. He's like, you know, I'm going to start a sober butcher line and and compete right next, next to you. Says, you know what, let's do it. So who knows? Maybe the sober butcher's coming. Never know. Yeah, who knows? I like it. Very cool. Well, when you do the sober butcher, you're more than welcome to come back on the show, and we can we'll talk about that too. But uh, no, it's been a real pleasure. Uh, so thanks again for being on the show. I, you know, awesome to hear your story. Like you're an awesome guy. I really love everything you're doing. So thanks for being on. Um, but that being said, we'll sign off for the night. Um, so for Ben, this is Brian and the drunken butcher. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll talk soon. Hey, thanks for having me. Anytime.